Hello and welcome to our great tour of Grope Lane, featuring uh, one of Shropshire's most well-renowned archaeologists, Nigel Baker. This is a short but a very important tour for you guys to do. Um, this street has uh, a lot of significance, uh, as you will hear from the tour. We're going to start you off with your back to Bear Steps on Fish Street, and Nigel will guide you through. We have to explain there is a bit of a disclaimer when it comes to this tour. Um, the original name for Grope Lane um, was a, it started off with a name, a very rude word that begins with the letter C and rhymes with hunt. Now, uh, Nigel thought it was important to keep um, the word in with this tour um, because of its um, historical significance. But I've bleaked it out. So this is still child friendly, but I want you guys to use your imagination as to what that word might be. I'll leave you in the capable hands of Mr. Nigel Baker and I'll catch you guys at the end. Enjoy this tour. Okay, well, I'm standing here in what I reckon is one of the finest parts of medieval Shrewsbury. I'm on the end of Fish Street. I have my back to Bear Steps Hall which you've heard all about. Um, to my left is Fish Street, and to my right is Butcher Row, and straight ahead of me, stretching down the hill, is Grote Plain. Now, in the medieval town, all the streets in the old town centre were market streets. Fish Street, surprise, surprise, sold fish from stalls along the churchyard wall. Butcher Row was full of butchers, um, selds, or as they were called then, or stalls and shops, and Grote Plain sold something else altogether. Grote Plain basically sold sex, and we know this because of its original place name, as recorded for the first time in 1324 and for the last time in the 1560s, and it was known throughout the Middle Ages not as Grote Plain, but as Grote Plain. And if this seems an extraordinary and rude thing to hear, you have to know that a lot of English medieval towns had their own grope planes. And when you look carefully at the maps of all these towns, all of their grope planes were in a similar kind of location. In fact, what you do is you go to the middle of the town, the middle of a marketing area, next to the main marketplace, or in a couple of places, like Bristol and Newcastle, go to the public quay, and stretching off these crowded thoroughfares full of business, you will find a Grope Lane. And quite often, they too were known as Grope Lanes. And there is little doubt that these were medieval red light districts. Uh, a colleague... And I did some research on these about 30 years ago. And up to that point, people had generally assumed that if you went in the Middle Ages uh, looking for sex, you had to go to the outskirts of town, like the famous stews of Southwark, where uh, Shakespeare's theatre district grew up amongst the red light district there. But no, it's not the case. And in most medieval towns, if you wanted to, to find sex in return for money, basically you went right of a bang middle of the town to find it, right immediately off the marketplace. And Grote Plain is one of those. And one of the great things about Grote Plain is it's 
uh, now one of the most picturesque streets in town. You wouldn't guess at its kind of sordid origins uh, because it's, you know, quite a nice, polite little street with these wonderful timber frame buildings uh, at the top of it and at the bottom of it. And I'm looking at number 11 Fish Street, uh, which seems to be empty at the moment, but it's a fantastic medieval timber frame building uh, standing on the corner, full of curved timbers that tells you that it's a medieval building, probably dating to the early 1400s. And I'm very fond of it because it's the only surviving building left on the street from the period in which Grope Lane would have been used as the local red light district. So, you know, I look at that uh, and think, you know, who were its original customers? Was it a tavern? Because a lot of the sex trade will have been organised from taverns. Um, and I would just love to know who its original customers were. And the thing about Grote Plain is it stretches between the two main marketplaces of medieval town. So behind me, behind Bear Steps, you've got the churchyard of St. Orkman's next to the churchyard of St. Julian's. But originally they were one open space known as the King's Market. And it's almost certainly where marketing first developed in Shrewsbury long, long, long before the Norman Conquest. I think marketing probably happened first and the churches came along later. Then at the bottom of Grope Lane, which we're about to go uh, and descend, you've got what was in the 1200s and before then a great big area of bog, but it was reclaimed in the 1260s um, and used as the town's new marketplace because business had outgrown the old one at the top of the hill. We're now halfway down Grope Lane. Uh, we've got a brick building on the right, which was a printing works in the 19th century, uh, and a timber frame building on the left, one of several uh, in the lane that have the overhanging frontages, basically called jetties in the technical language of timber frame world. Um, but what we don't see is the Chapel of St. Martin, which we know from historical documents once, once stood about where we're standing now on the left-hand side of the lane going down. And the reason we know about the Chapel of St. Martin's is there was a notorious episode in the early 1100s um, basically revolving around a guy called Gilbert of Condover, who was a county knight who pinched some of the land um, that belonged to St. Altman's Church at the top of the hill. Uh, and he was excommunicated by the bishop um, for doing this, um, and with his mortal soul imperiled, he had to... Um, basically pay a price so it was arranged that he and his knights his guys basically his men at arms were going to have to come in and they were going to have to say sorry to St Altman's church and the way they did it was they started in the chapel of St St Martins which belonged to St Altman's church uh, and they were stripped and they were whipped naked up the hill and they um, basically went in procession being whipped by the canons the priests of St Altman's and ended at the high altar of St Altman's church and after that it was decided that they had paid enough of the penance uh, and basically the excommunication was lifted and their, their mortal souls they felt were, 
were safe. But that's the first reference that we have to this chapel, which had entirely disappeared by the 1500s. And all we know about it from the physical evidence is that um, there are accounts um, from the 1800s of an old ecclesiastical building standing uh, incorporated in the stables at the back of the Cross Keys Inn, which is the timber frame building on the left at the bottom of Grope Lane, which is now Costa Coffee. We've now come a little bit further down the lane and we're at the point where the buildings, the old timber frame buildings, overhang the lane to the extent that it's very easy to bash your head on them because uh, the, the jetty here, the overhang, is only about six foot above street level and you have to wet, watch where you're going otherwise you're going to crash into a building which has stood here since about 1575. I mean, this is a lovely piece of medieval or uh, Tudor townscape and while you're standing looking at it probably rubbing your head if you look up at the vertical timbers you can see faintly but quite clearly um, uh, evidence of how the building was built because all timber frame buildings in Shrewsbury and all over England were built in the same way they were built as kind of pre pre-assembled kits like flat packs from Ikea or something like that uh, and the timbers were laid out in a building yard and fitted together and then they were dismantled, put on the builder's cart and re-erected on the site chosen for them in town but to do it properly you had to number up all the individual timbers uh, and standing back looking at the sort of side entrance to Costa Coffee, looking at the timber framing above that, you can count all the Roman numerals scratched onto the timbers going up vertically and so you can sort of see there's a number X, I, 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 so that's going to be a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, that's going to be timber 15 and then there's another mark next to that uh, and once your eye is in you can see these carpenters assembly numerals on all of the vertical timbers along this lane frontage of Costa Coffee, the former Cross Keys Inn. And just a tiny bit further down the lane, we're about 20 metres short of the junction with the High Street, the buildings are so close that they're about a metre and a half apart. And this was uh, for years uh, talked about as the reason Grope Lane was called Grope Lane, particularly by ecclesiastical historians who didn't really want to repeat the truth of the sordid truth of Grope Lane. So they all claimed that Grope Lane was called Grope Lane because it was so dark that you had to grope your way up the lane. But that, as uh, I've already said is is not quite true, but both of these buildings were built about the same time. They were both built as houses for for wealthy merchants, so uh, they've got lots and lots of timbers in because the more timber that you could show off in your building, the wealthier everybody knew you to be. We're a little bit away from the, the main trading frontage where they would have shops and counting houses on the ground floor and uh, very posh bedrooms over at first floor. Um, but both buildings were built about the same time, so we've got Costa Coffee on the left uh, and Jones the Bootmaker's on the right and Jones uh, when you look at it has got all the characteristics of 
uh, timber frame buildings built in Shrewsbury in the kind of late Tudor period, about 1560, 1570, 1580, and the High Street, because it was then one of the most commercially important streets in town, is a really fantastic street um, for spotting the, the best commercial architecture of the later 1500s. Okay, and now we've reached the uh, bottom of, of Great Plain, standing on the high street, looking back up the lane, and on our right we've got the main part of Costa Coffee, the former Cross Keys Inn, and you can see what very, very fancy timber work they had on the most important street, and just wrapped around the corner going up to Great Plain. But when you get your eye in and look at the timber work, you can see that it's not what it appears, because a lot of the timbers that you can see are in fact fairly modern, are only 30 or so years old. So casting your eye upwards in the middle of the tie beam, uh, going across the Grope Lane frontage, you can see a date, and it says R and O and something else, and the date 1990. And that's because the building was restored by one of the local conservation architecture practices at that time. And rather than just try and reproduce the old Tudor decoration, which had been lost because of erosion and because bits had been taken out and things had been hammered through it, they decided to create some new carving in the style of the original. So it's worth actually spending five minutes to pick apart the iconography, the, the signs that you can see in the carved artwork there. So you will find um, uh, devices which reflect goings on at the time. So somewhere up there, there is a hand grasping for a bag of money, and that is to commemorate the poll tax um, that was introduced by Margaret Thatcher's government at about that sort of time and was deeply unpopular. And it's commemorated up up there in the, in the um, the artwork uh, carved in in oak on this restored building. Okay, and turning around with my back to Grope Lane, I'm now looking at the High Street and I'm looking at this building called Princess House, which, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this, I think is probably one of the worst buildings in Shrewsbury. Um, uh, it's just brick and concrete. It has a car park, of all things, at first floor level um, and is just a really, really horrible building. Um, and much worse than the building that it replaced, which is the old uh, county council headquarters. Uh, this part of it built in the 1880s um, and all knocked down when Shropshire County Council, as it was then, relocated to the Shire Hall uh, down at the end of Abbey Foregate outside town. Before that, because it was municipal buildings, um, we've got quite a lot of history about its construction and we know from records going all the way back to the 1780s that once upon a time that area was a deep, deep bog full of uh, like marsh and peat and uh, undergrowth and... And we know the name of this bog, which was recorded before it was filled in in the mid-1200s, and it was known as the Gumblestool Mere, Gumblestool Moor, as it was called at the time. And a Gumblestool is an old folk name for a ducking stool. 
And basically, uh, if you go f back into the early Middle Ages, this was a place of town punishment, uh, whereby uh, miscreants, malefactors, um, and that means usually people who defended against trading regulations, so bakers who stole, um, who sold stale bread, uh, brewers who watered down their beer, and uh, antisocial women, I'm afraid, uh, suffered a kind of communal punishment, which was that uh, if they were found guilty, they were tied to a chair on the end of a long pole and they were ducked repeatedly in the muddy water uh, until they repented of their sins and everybody was satisfied. So, you know, you hear this expression, the past is a foreign country, and here we are right in the middle of SY1, the square, it's a polite part of Shrewsbury, full of listed buildings, but once upon a time it would have been a scene of quite riotous scenes, as people who'd become unpopular locally uh, were basically tortured for public amusement. So finally, turning around and looking back up Groat Lane, it's worth saying that this is the last Groat Lane anywhere in England. So all of these towns, they had their great lanes, but you never hear that particular rude word applied to a street name after the middle of the 1500s. Um, you know, the town authorities, uh, the church particularly, you know, uh, set to clean up the town's uh, rude street names. Uh, and that was definitely the first to go. So if you want to go and find Grope Lane in York, you can still find Grape Lane quite near York Minster, but it's been many centuries since it was called Grope Lane. Um, there's another one in Wells in Somerset, which was changed to Grove Lane and then Grove Street. But, you know, nobody's heard the original, you know, completely filthy uh, place name for many hundreds of years. And then all the other street names of a similar kind of nature, you know, they've been cleaned up. Um, and called something else for many, many, many years. And Shrewsbury is the last place that retains this kind of uh, slender link with its completely unacceptable uh, face of a historical past. So there we have our tour of Grow Plain. Nigel did a fantastic job. That was me uh, producing that behind the microphone um, I was listening to it and I was in awe of everything he was saying as I'm sure you were what I found really nice as a guy who works with audio is how the enclosed environment sort of brought Nigel in so it sounded a bit more intimate as he was talking I really like that there are plenty of tours available uh, the nearest one to you guys now is the one on Milk Street uh, we start from Milk Street and walk all the way down Wild Cop um, so if you are listening to this via the website please take yourself towards Milk Street because that will be your next tour. Thank you for listening.